You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Shovik Das. I'm Leslie Demonte and I'm Deepthi Ahuja. You're listening to Mint Tech Setra, a podcast where we will talk about important developments in technology and how they will transform our lives, work and play as we know it. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the Mint Tech Setra podcast. Last week if you would have joined us or last to last week if you would have joined us we did take a little bit of a break in the middle we were speaking about the consumer electronics show Now of course CES is always a lot of fun it's always a lot of interesting new technologies and one thing of course that defined CES this year was artificial intelligence and uh, one thing that uh, Leslie of course also agreed upon is that CES seems to have joined the AI party a little late but nevertheless it has sparked up a few very interesting conversations we are going to delve a little deeper into it um one device which caught everyone's attention um Leslie Deepthi I'm sure you guys also would have observed was this rabbit R1 assistant yes. it's a little orange uh, small phone like thing which uh claims to yeah, yeah. in fact actually gipti was saying that she's going to take us down the rabbit hole so i thought she was referring to the device oh no. yeah no i mean i was just reminded of that song uh white rabbit right one pill makes you larger one pill makes you small but <laughs> i'm i'm telling you i'm going to buy this device it is so cool i love it and it is so uh divergent like you know neurodivergent friendly that's crazy how neurodivergent friendly this device is i i mean i can't wait to get it into my hands you're going to spend 200 dollars to buy that i will okay i will us dollars eh? it's not australian or singapore i know i know but see this is how much i mean i'm generally one of those people who will say no first to everything <laughs> but But this is that one device that is so neurodivergent friendly that I want it. But Shovik, you want to say something? But uh, it's interesting because there are thousands of people literally going mad on LinkedIn, going mad on Twitter or X, uh, which it which Twitter is called nowadays, and they're all speaking about how this device is really cool and it it's it it's probably some people have even gone as far as saying that it's the right prototype for the kind of device that is going to become mainstream going forward and right on cue samsung has gone ahead and launched what they've claimed are the world's first ai phones and um, they've claimed so because they- but but before that shavik i think just uh, sticking to the rabbit part i think one a couple of things you know one i think we need to speak a little about you know the technology behind it because i found that very fascinating yeah. and also talking about the fact that you know a lot of people have been raving about it uh, mm-hmm. i was like uh, not surprised but you know it uh, i was pretty uh, you know I I like the idea that even uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella he said that he was he looks smitten with the idea of uh, Rabbit R1 and uh, in fact actually Nadella was so impressed with the device that he compared the AI assistant's uh, launch presentation to Steve Jobs' uh, highly acclaimed presentation mm-hmm. of the iPhone in uh, 2007 so you know to make those kind of comparisons uh, just uh, uh, you know uh, indicates uh, how uh this uh, device has captured the imagination of so people like this in uh, uh, 30th november 2022 chat gpt 
that was the way you know it became the face of ai now this is the next one that i'm seeing after a long time uh, so after one year gap uh, rabbit has uh, you know sort of caught our attention so all this while we were speaking about large language models uh, rabbit right. talks about large action model so mm. that is also another interesting so i i was just thinking you know uh, how uh, when when i was talk, uh, talking about it uh, in fact my niece asked me about it uh, i mean she was more like testing my knowledge about <laughs> the <laughs> rabbit rather than that because i could see that uh, you know that small corner face kind of stuff but uh, then i told her she said can you explain like how you explain to a 5 year old kid i said well you are not a 5 year old kid because she's 12 years old so i said you should be knowing what you're talking about but having said that i said see my sense the way i look at it is is you know from typing remember on those old device old uh, phones feature phones we used to type okay right. and then we moved to touch and we were like excited about everything and now we will move to voice and speaking in your own natural language and here we are talking about voice to action right so uh, llm to an lam now yeah. if you look at his definition uh, of uh, you know the lam also that, that is also pretty interesting because that is kind of the cornerstone of the rabbit uh, operating system right. now how it understands human intentions on computers you know how it uh, understands and you know what you say and how it gets it done so these are in, in interesting parts about rabbit that i was you know sort of excited about right 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 do you feel at some point i felt that you know it's it it kind of claims to be a device which would replace the need for multiple logins multiple you know sort of fragmented apps, apps essentially but i don't think it's a handset uh, uh, replacement as of now it may at some point in time provide because as of now i think you may have to have two devices with you I was in fact uh, just going to kind of come to that where maybe both you and Deepthi can uh, speak about that you know I mean at the end of the day do we look at technology as something that would solve um, you know make our life better or easier more seamless on that note um what is really the sort of value that the R1 brings when you consider it to be a separate device which you use alongside your smartphone which is another device to kind of charge every day and you know take care of and uh, all of that so how do you see it as something that can like sort of really make a difference or is it just like the cool value for now no i think uh, rabbit is extremely intuitive and the way i would want uh, you know to to look at my searches and search histories and the way i would want it to learn from uh, me and my way of doing things all of that is possible in uh, rabbit right and um, i think they have an education sort of mode also that you can train your phone to actually do certain tasks a certain way uh, without actually making the kind of effort that you would in a regular phone and that also isn't uh, it won't give you a guarantee that that will happen i think that feature is really really cool so i think it's very intuitive it's extremely human centric and it saves me so much screen time and it it kind of stops uh, you know that overwhelm of too many options and too many possibilities however that also has a downside which we can talk about later but yeah 
to begin with it's it's not just cold but it's also something that's very very effective uh in my day to day life i think that is something and i would totally go ahead and i'd love to replace my regular phone <laughs> with rabbit i don't care because see i'm already a content creator i have devices i have a i have a mic i have separate mics i have a separate camera i have a sep- i have separate equipment for all of these things right and otherwise i'm a private person so i wouldn't want to like capture every single moment of my waking like every single waking moment of my life right i wouldn't want to do that so rabbit It's just very handy. Yeah, so for instance, if you're making an itinerary for a holiday, I mean that's any LLM can do that. Uh, you know that's easy. But uh, if you're using the uh, LLM along with the uh, LLM, then you know the rabbit kind of a device can you know make your flight booking, your accommodation reservations for you. So that's an extra step that looks like it could make you know AI helpful. and then also you know i i think in the demo also they showed it because you help uh, workers streamline the processes for instance like you you could you know you have an option of showing it a document right you can show it an excel sheet or any spreadsheet or yeah. ask it to add data customize it so i thought those were pretty helpful and uh, i think we had this conversation last time whether we want 10 devices whether we want one device whether we want uh, 100 features in one device or we want and you know uh, 10 devices with 10 features now see at some point in time all these things will come together and become a whole but you require these kind of devices to make the one is to make the user interface simpler uh, make it more productive i think it, it is needed it is needed yeah. right 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 and on that note as we were just about to speak a little while earlier samsung has also come in with its ai phones and uh of course the premise being that you know you already have a phone and then you have partnerships with google who are already doing a lot of things so why don't you just add ai to the phone you know you capture a photo and you have somebody annoying behind you you know deepthi might want to erase certain people and uh samsung's phone says well our phone can do it by default and samsung's actually the first one because Google's Pixel 8 uh, which was launched in September last year um that already does that it has those magic eraser features magic video editors um in fact Google's phone when it launched i remember um i had written an article which went on mint where we had specified that this seems to be the beginning of a trend where ai will be the ai will be the feature in phones um so Leslie have you have you seen the new Samsung phones have you had a chance to kind of go through what they offer uh, and 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 doesn't it seem to be pretty much like the obvious next step for us watching the industry this was supposed to happen right you're talking of the S24 right the Galaxy S24 typically i mean if you're looking at the numbers i was looking at canalys numbers because i happened to write a piece on how generative ai smartphones will capture the imagination of the market no right. <laughs> you are just talking about ai enabled i had already you know i was talking about generative ai because i was looking at some of the numbers by canalys now yes yeah. ai capable smartphones will likely comprise 45% of the total smartphone market with 635 million units in 2027 now 2027 is not far off it's just 4 years from here right. and um, 
if you look at generative ai what does it do it can create new content with the help of prompts whether it is in english hindi bengali french or whatever so now if you look at s24 you i mean it already we were expecting you know those features like live transcribe which anyway most ai features have it but if you look at counter uh, counterpoint uh, numbers they are saying that generative ai smartphones with preliminary data that they have given they are, they are projecting shipments to reach over 100 million units in just this year now yes. that's not a small number and within the next 4 years by the next 4 years like 2027 counterpoint expects gen ai smartphones i'm not talking of ai enabled only so uh, they are expecting these gen ai smartphone to you know reach about 522 million units and that will be a cagr of uh, almost like 83% And right. so, if you look at you know cumulative numbers, effectively you are talking about oh more than one billion Gen AI smartphones to be shipped uh, between uh, uh, you know calendar year 2024 and 2027, just four years. Now this is right. not a, a small number, but I think the catch here, if we are talking about, is okay. What separates an AI, just an AI-enabled phone, from a generative AI smartphone? Right. I mean that is what we are. actually talking about so here mm-hmm. we are talking about so i'm just giving the definitions of what canalist uh, is the so canalist defines a gen ai smartphone as one that where you are integrating a large language model and other gen ai model on devices so right. that will also necessitate you know it will necessitate a different type of computing platform and you know also the software allied uh, software capabilities So right. now, for instance, an AI-capable smartphone would have a system-on-chip, the SoC, which should include a kind of a dedicated unit like MediaTek's APU or the you know AI processing unit. That's exactly the the uh, that's why it's called an APU. Now, if you look at the uh, uh, S24, for instance, uh, the Samsung S24 that has a MediaTek uh, processor. So exactly, right. you're moving in that direction. or you could also have a google to uh, tpu tpus are basically the tensor processing units yeah. now tpus uh, then the neural processing units uh, then the ai accelerators then the gpus which are the graphics processing units uh, are yeah. always you know for used uh, as uh, for the uh, benefit of our listeners these are always as they know are used uh, for they were earlier used in gaming like gpus now they're used for ai processing right. but now uh- along with that you also have the apus the tpus the deep npus etc so the smartphone basically a gen ai smartphone should be able to run uh, llms and other generative ai models on device that is the basic definition now how they pick up what are the benefits that you see uh, i already have an uh, you know the chat gpt the app on my uh, phone it runs very well actually for that matter right. now so the processors are getting more powerful you will have more capable uh, capabilities so if you connect what we spoke about the rabbit and what we are speaking about the, the gen ai smartphones are definitely heading there hmm. if they be integrated into one specific unit with capabilities of a large action model as rabbit has it can that be you know sort of integrated with a smartphone that we already have where a smartphone will be running both the llm and the lam on that Right. That I think is just an engineering problem. Right, absolutely. Deepthi, would would an AI phone make your life easier? I'm pretty sure it would. Well, to be honest, as a consumer, uh, even before, I mean, you know, 
etcetera happened to me there was a lot that you know the way we used to research phones to buy the best kind of phones as as consumers we just look at the features we just look at whether it fits our budget whether you know all of these uh, f- can we do away with some of these features and and we'd make the comparisons it never mattered to us what technology was on the phone why was it there what was the engineering behind it and how is it going to impact impact the industry these these questions were never things that we would think about now that uh, ai phones are out there i mean you know uh, again the question is this, are these uh, a, how much of these ai chips are going to be supported uh, on the device and how much of it are going to be dependent upon the cloud you know dependent upon the internet access all of these things are there right uh, having said that at the end of the day even if you look at google pixel they just highlighted what the ai could do for their photographs for the translations uh for different kinds of uh, things that they wanted on their phones and that's about it so at the and end of the day one, just one clarification out here because yeah. i see it's very important to understand the distinction between these two we talk yeah. about cloud only when we are talking about the other kind of devices because here please uh, the the whole idea is to have what is known as edge computing where the hmm. processing itself is done on the device correct because the processors are so powerful when that's why if you uh, uh, recollect that i spoke about apus npus cpus yes. etc that's why because the processors are so powerful that all your processing can be done on the device itself yeah. you don't have to resort to the cloud and that's why it's faster so that yeah. which is why they are talking about running an llm basically on your device so just yes, i think we have to be mindful about that look at your google right as this magic compose so the new messages by google feature Uh, they are powered by generative ai you can offer yeah. you know sort of uh, suggested responses based on the context of the messages you could rewrite it in different styles uh, the magic yeah. editor and google uh, photos both i think uh, pixel 8 and pixel pro uh, 8 pro i think both have that magic editor so that's yes. also you know an experimental editing uh, so i think we have a lot of these uh, correct but what i'm trying to say is from a regular consumer's point of view these questions the depth of these questions probably the answers don't matter as much as what kind of value are they offering the consumer since shavik asked me would i want an ai phone right so so in that this question is because um there's a very very small fine print in the entire samsung presentation of the s24 phones is that they seem to have mentioned that at least until 2025 they will not be charging any kind of fee to any of the users for their ai features hmm however they don't offer any clarification on what happens after 2025 so some of the reporters who were present at samsung's uh, event did go up to samsung and ask this question who said who uh, the answer was to the tune of that we are committed to keeping ai access free for all and let as many people access the feature until 2025 until then our pricing plans will not change however after that that's the question right i mean because in the next year and a half two years you know more and more people and as we've seen you know technology something comes to the absolutely top tier first because it's the most expensive and ai of course a lot of people have said that it is expensive to run all these ai models and train them and everything 
and what samsung seems to be saying is that at a certain point there would be some sort of a charge associated with using you know all the features on your phone and the features the real features on your phone that are going to kind of define the devices going forward would be you know the ai features it's going to help write your email it's going to live transcribe your phone calls sure sure i'd like to interrupt over here for the simple reason that okay fine this is you know kind of representation of what the company is saying you know frankly as a user i would also ask the question i would turn around and ask the question that hello you're training it on my data so yeah. why why shouldn't you keep my features free i mean you aren't you know samsung or any any phone maker for that matter fact is not doing a, doing me a favor it is crowd sourcing its training on dipti's data on your data on my data correct I, i mean how dare can they even you know suggest that they want to charge uh, me for this so i think that they are keeping the feature uh, free which is which is why most people are using it now at some point in time you are going to tell me that okay now you go to turn around and say okay aapka kaam ho gaya so i will not uh, you know now you have to uh, start paying me for that hello you have been using my data and paying it so you should be paying me a royalty at this yeah. right now no no absolutely i think that's interesting that you mentioned this leslie because i think this is going to be another of those big tech moments in the next 2 to 5 years probably where you know all the regulators come together and question these companies on whether they it's ethical for them to kind of take users data and charge the users themselves for ai features and the companies would speak about whatever they've spoken about so far in lawsuits in you know protecting users um but privacy of course since we are speaking about this is another big factor that uh, you know what happens to the user privacy do you do you trust a samsung do you trust a google do you trust a you know anybody else qualcomm apple for that matter with so why are you just singling out the googles and the thing because the point <laughs> is every app maker is stealing so much data from you actually no but i have a different concern and once again i'm saying huh. we have the hundreds of apps over there that are always listening to your conversation right. look at the permissions that you yourself have given the moment you download some of see those are so called system apps are there and the other apps are there now every app has you know in uh, access to any amount of information that you have so really speaking look at the just take any app at random and check the permissions you have given it and look at the data that it is giving so we don't right. even do where that uh, they, uh, you know uh, who's using the data and how they are using the data so i am mm-hmm. saying that is not only the big tech companies even the small app makers yeah yeah but i think the question is that would you be okay going forward in a in an ai first smartphone world which is what it probably seems to so be i'm not okay i'm not i don't think anybody's okay but you tell me what is the option so they they would cut access so now this is exactly the point that a company like if you remember we had done a story on bharwas right absolutely now bharwas the the point exactly was so during the india science fest i right. met uh, karthik once again and okay. of course i am yet to write about it but i did have a chat with uh, karthik about what are the next steps for bharwas but if you remember you know that right. you'll have to wait for the article when i write it <laughs> but uh, if you remember uh, what we said about bharwas even last time that he wanted to have only minimal apps right. so you only put those amount of apps that you require Mm-hmm. and at some point in time yes he would talk about creating a whole app ecosystem where you can uh, select the apps you want and that was to tackle the same privacy issue because 
Honestly speaking, how many apps do we actually require? No, you may require what? Like for instance, he himself just uses about a ma- maximum, I think, about uh, six apps or so. Rest the entire phone is free of every other clutter. So because that is the reason, because your operating system has been designed such that you don't require so many apps. Here, these guys have created that nowhere where they make you feel that okay, you require app for your health, an app for this, an app for that. Again, if we look at the rabbit uh, stuff, they're doing away with the APIs, the apps. Mm-hmm. Right. So I like the models that are coming up where it can protect your privacy. So you may want to think about uh, these issues also. Right. Deepthi, what about you? Do you use more than six apps? I use hundreds of apps. <laughs> no, but I have these concerns and I don't feel okay with it. I agree. You may be a super user because average on average I, studies have been done across. I think, Shavik, you may remember some of the studies that have been done. I don't think people use on average more than 10 apps. So you must be some kind of crazy. No, no, I'm just exaggerating. <laughs> but... Chut bol rahe but uh nay, so okay, I do use a couple of apps. I definitely use more than six for sure. Uh and um as far as um uh, privacy concerns are there, I'm always concerned. Every time I download an app or someone asks me to download an app to do a certain something because they've they are active on that app and they want to communicate through that. I'm just I'm like I don't want it, but I still have to agree to it. Because that's the way people are communicating with each other, right? Everyone has their own personal preferences. And I communicate with a lot of people. I mean, just podcasters, if I just take them. I have I have 30 to 40 podcasts active every month. So different people have different channels and ways of communication. They have different ways to research their content. And they have different apps to research their content, right? So they like to share it on the same app. So I do have to... Uh, you know, download those apps and I hate uh, having to and and that cookie preference that comes in the beginning, which obviously, I mean, now there is this whole thing with Google and marketers and the whole cookie thing that's happening that they are not going to allow. I, I think I think that is one of the uh, uh, one of the news pieces out there that they're not going to allow cookies to happen anymore. Right. So all of those things, it, it just seems like a sham to me. As a regular user, it just seems like a sham. Even if I choose, it's still a sham. But that's not that much of a concern to me anymore because yes, there is this problem and there is no solution per se at this point of time. And it's definitely not a solution that an individual can ideally come up with. It's a solution that the system should come up with, uh, right? To protect uh, the citizens to make it more human centric everything like technology more human centric my concern was about um, you know the bubbles that will get created because if these these chips these AI chips are going to be more intuitive to our um, preferences right then they're, they're just going to keep suggesting things that we like and yeah, we but- won't be let me turn the question and let, let me huh. ask you. When you go shopping, huh. do you like recommendations or do you not like recommendations? I actually don't. No, I like so then, to be... Then it's all. Then why do you like it on your smartphone? Then, then dispense with the apps. No? So, you know, I mean, like, but with the AI phones, if they are going no, no. to be intuitive in that sense... You, you, can, you have control on that. You can always control the apps. 
see that is the point the whole idea is to delete those apps that you don't need na like you want yeah. a health app you want this app you want somebody to check your blood pressure then afterwards you know start complaining about whether somebody is taking your data and using it for some other purposes my point is honestly But there you are given the permission now <laughs> No, no. But my point is like, see, for the blood pressure, you could all wish to first go to a doctor and get the blood pressure. Now we want Correct. to get it on our smartwatches, right? Correct. We want to get everything. So you look at convenience and look at the trade-off, yes. and you ask yourself whether it is worth the trade-off. I mean, this is my uh, simple way of looking at it. I don't know if Shavik has some other point of view. But for me, this is always a trade-off, and you may want to, you know, uh, also explore uh, how far do we want to go with technology, how much, uh, you know, leeway do you want to give the technology? All these kind of things. We, it's it's a philosophical question also, and also perspective yeah. of life, a way of life. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, one of the things which happened to me recently is this pretty popular medicine delivery service. Uh, it's a startup. um they, i i was i was using it pretty regularly in fact their service was so consistent to a point that i even subscribed to their uh, sort of delivery feature and they would kind of give certain discounts and it made sense yeah. and um i just i was looking to get like a test for the heart or the liver and i had added the test to the to the cart and i, I, I it's not like i was going through with it i just wanted to see what all it had and it and it wasn't letting me check the full list of the uh, all the tests that were there in the package until I, until i added it hmm and i just did that and i just let it be 15 minutes later i start getting calls from this service where there were random customer service agents who knew my name who knew where i stayed who knew my phone number who knew my blood group and who started telling me that oh you have a heart ailment so now you should go to this doctor you should consider buying you know like a blood uh, blood oxygen monitor and you should buy a you know blood pressure device and i completely lost it and i remember i spent 3 days outraging on twitter and you <laughs> know all the blood suckers <laughs> but you know and the funny part is this app had absolutely no permissions enabled and it apple has that feature which is ask app not to track that was also enabled and all of it but of course they have access to their own product cards and i was like you know you're just calling me i i have i have disabled every single permission and you're calling me just based on you know the, this this test being in my cart i have very connected world i mean you just do a simple google search or the bing search or any search for that matter of fact which is why people then like to go to duckduckgo or use vpns etc because otherwise you do a simple search and you know the amount of ads you'll be landing up with this is a random Got search it. like say as media pe- people we may be looking at a story so your somebody is a real estate uh, reporter for instance Got they it. will get every you know listing of every property because the the search engine might think that this reporter is a person who you know is going to buy the next house so right because it's yeah, pretty yeah. stupid but look at the amount of data that we have already given so yeah it 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 is a clearly a menace uh, But the only problem with that uh, intrusion and menace is that if it starts, you know, impacting your life, and as you said, if it starts stealing your bank accounts, then it leads to ransomware, then it leads to other kinds of 
uh, you know, uh, things where it is, uh, like say for instance, your data, like now what you said about you know, the, the disease part of it. If that is out in the open market, somebody, you know, some insurance agent could increase theoretically the, the premium of your uh, thing because they have access to the data. And that is something that we all have argued against, you know, saying that how, how can they have access to this kind of data? Right. Yeah. I recommend it's a trade-off. Recommendations help, but at the same time, sure. At some point in time, I want to know uh, when I'm looking out for the particular book whether there are any books related to it. But sometimes I just don't want to know because I know what I'm looking out for. Absolutely. And on that bombshell, it's time to end the second episode because that leaves us with a lot of things to ponder upon on whether you would trade off your personal privacy for convenience, uh, whether that's even a trade-off to be spoken about whether you'd pay for AI services, whether you'd even have the option to not pay for an AI service in the next two to five years or not. <laughs> Always uh, feel free to write to us if you think we've uh, not made sense about a topic that you're very touchy about or if you think you've made we've made sense about a topic that you're not really concerned about and that got you interested, do write to us about that as well. And with that, as always, every week, thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Deepthi. It's time to sign off. Bye. Bye. So, folks, that's it for this episode. You are listening to Mint, etc. You can reach out to us on LinkedIn if you have any questions. Our handles are in the description. This episode was produced by me, Deepthi Ahuja. It was edited by Amrinder Singh. Catch you next week. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Hold up. 